Not many people can boast that legendary wrestler, the Iron Sheik, once opened for their band. Or that, in turn, they've opened for USS, The Weeknd, and The Arkells, all on the same tour. Never mind being inducted into their hometown's Music Hall of Fame. My next guest would never say that he's led a Forrest Gump-style life of being in the right place at the right time. Why? Well, he'll probably tell you he's been in the music industry ever since his parents built a dance floor in the basement of their family home in Mississauga, Ontario. I am honored to welcome my next guest, Ajay Massey. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming, man. That's uh, quite the intro. I appreciate <laughs> Thank that. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> That's the extent of all I know. <laughs> no, whatever you need to know, I'm here for you, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and your brother's Prince. My brother's name is Prince. He was born. He was born in England. Yeah. So he's not the prince. He's not the prince. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was born. At but a he's time, a prince. He, he is a definitely is a prince. But uh, my sisters wanted to call him Prince Charles because when he was born, yeah, Prince Charles was in the news when he was born in England, and they oh, said, okay, "Call okay. him Prince Charles. Yeah. Call him Prince Charles." But my mom said, "We're not calling. He's him. not that prince. <laughs> We're not calling him Prince Charles only because mm-hmm. my uh, dad's brother's name was Charles. So he, she said, "We oh, can't have two Charles. Can't have two Charles. So we'll just go with Prince. We'll go with Prince." <laughs> Nice, nice. Um, so born in Mississauga. Yep. And uh, you're you're a teacher. I am. By day, yeah. An elementary school music teacher. Oh my goodness. So yeah. how old are these are these kids? <laughs> Kindergarten <laughs> to grade five. So we're looking at wow. five to ten. That's a different mindset. It is a totally different mindset, oh but it's a great mindset to yeah. mold. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm a Cub Scout leader on Monday nights. I used to be in Cubs. Yeah. I used to be I used to be in Beavers and Cubs. No That's way. Awesome. Back in the day. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So eight. Eight to ten year olds, and there are times, and and you could see the progression, right? Because at eight years old, they're they look up to you with big eyes, and you're like their hero. I think it's at ten years old. Some some of them at nine, but at ten years old, it's like they're thinking in their head, "I got somewhere better than me to be than here." I find <laughs> it happens around the ten age, and once it's eleven, then they're it's gone. over. It's over. Oh yeah. So yesterday was was our, our weekly meeting. And um, I remember going to one of the uh, one of the other leaders. I go, oh, my goodness, what is up with them today? <laughs> it happens. And I go, it's, the, it's all the 10 year olds. They're ready to move on to scouts, <laughs> you know, and, and be the youngest one again, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a mind shift going from that to uh, to playing in clubs. And arenas. I've been doing it. I've been doing it for a while, but uh, it's kind of the the dual life thing, which mm-hmm. I like to do during the day. I do my teaching thing, and yeah, at yeah. night I shift. How long have you been de- teaching for? Uh, in the public school system, this is my thirteenth year. Wow. Mm-hmm. Before that, I was always teaching guitar or teaching like uh, privately, privately, private and in music stores. I'd, I'd teach oh, okay, in music okay. stores. So I, I've been teaching guitar for years. Once I started teaching in the public school system, I slowly stopped doing that. Yeah, yeah. there's only so much you can do. Right, my time was being spread thin, so. Nice, nice. So I talked a bit at the beginning, your parents having this dance, this dance hall. The dance floor in the basement. It was a a nice parquet dance floor. Uh, My parents always had parties growing up. Yeah. And the parties always ended up in the basement, and my brother was a DJ in the 80s. Okay. My dad and mom had an extensive record collection, so it just made sense that everything was in the basement. Yeah. All the music was in the basement, and whenever we had parties, it would always go down to the basement where there would be the dance floor and music playing and tons of records to choose from. 
and the and the kids were included in in this all inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So your your parents are more sort of like like myself now, you know, just collecting vinyl whenever you can and and you know just listening to some good tunes and some good music. They weren't were your parents ever musicians like yourself? They were not, but uh, they were they were pretty hip. My parents were pretty hip yeah. back in the day. <laughs> they were uh, on the up with fashion and music and things that were happening in the time. Yeah. Uh, my mom did sing uh, in her church choir. Okay. So she's musical that way. Yeah. <laughs> I, she comes I, to I, your shows. I saw her at the, uh, she does the still, record lunch. She does still come to shows. We actually had another show uh, a few weeks back in London, and she came to that one. She tries to come to as many shows That's as amazing. she can. It doesn't matter what band I'm playing in. She's yeah. been a, a huge supporter, and she, she wears the T-shirts when she can and things <laughs> like that. And, and she's great. She, she loves it. That is awesome. What does she think of this? Does she think thank thankful that Ajay hasn't quit his uh, his school job and this is just a fun thing that he's doing? What does she we think about all this? We don't really talk <laughs> about that. Uh, she does like the fact that I have a career job. Yeah. But yeah. she also knows, and she's known for many years, that uh, I, I love playing music and making music. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing it for many years. And she's always been supportive uh, when I moved away to go to music school. Mm. Uh, there was no question from her. She said, if that's what you want to do, that's what you got to do. Yeah. yeah. But uh, she, we've never had that conversation of what happens if something were to happen or, and these days you don't know what could sure. happen and it could yeah. be big, could be small. Things happen all the time. And she asks me Yeah. yeah. and she appreciates when I tell her sometimes she doesn't understand the scope of it, but the fact that I'm happy about it, she's happy about yeah, it. Yeah. And she always asks me, and she shows her friends the videos and <laughs> talks about the band. So like I appreciate any, like that. Like any mother would do, right? That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, do you remember the first is instrument that you that you played? The first instrument I played was the piano, and this piano was, lessons, or uh, well, I, it was this was back in the day where I was in grade one, and a form went home saying if you want piano lessons for your child. Once a week after school, we offer piano lessons for an hour, and it would be oh, a wow. group a group setting. Yeah, uh, with I think there was maybe five or six of us in a class taking turns on the piano, and I hated it. And <laughs> I went there, and I didn't. I, I was just too young. Uh, okay. At the time, I just knew that I I didn't really like it. I thought mm. it was cool, but when I realized you can't just touch these things and magic happens, yeah. it just I lost it. And so I'd skip those lessons. Mm. And then eventually I, my mom asked me if I wanted to continue doing it. And I said no. And she said, okay. And didn't, didn't push me. Okay. Nothing. And then a few years later in grade three, we had a, a family friend who was visiting from India who was a fabulous guitar player. And he was staying in Canada for a few months. And my mom said, oh, you guys can get guitar lessons from this guy. Mm. And again, I went to school and in my journal I wrote a I drew an electric guitar and I was so excited and yeah we go to these lessons and I had these classical guitars me and my brother have these classical guitars and we're playing single notes and I'm thinking I don't this is not rock and roll <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of went to the wayside and the guitars ended up in the basement and they didn't resurface until about grade nine when I was in high school and a guy in my French class had his guitar and he played the intro to um, Sweet Child of Mine. And I thought, hey man, 
can you, you teach me that? Yeah. <laughs> That's that sounds cool. It's yeah. just the beginning, and yeah. I knew what it was. I've always I was always into music. I listened to music. Sure. I thought it was cool. Yeah, but it wasn't until high school I thought. That's kind of what I want to do. In grade seven and eight, we did the ukulele, and yeah. I and I thought that was cool because it reminded me of my guitar days. And I just three. started playing the ukulele. <laughs> oh yeah, my first ever instrument. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so it just started in high school. Yeah. And then I dug up the old guitar, and then realized that I wanted to pursue that. And you took lessons and all that stuff, or I did start taking lessons in grade nine. Yeah. I asked my mom. And she found this place, and I was learning Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and things like yeah. that. And the same thing started to happen where I was thinking, I want to get to Sweet Child I want to I want to play, like play some <laughs> rock and roll. And what happened was I put those lessons to the side, and I started taking lessons from this guy in high okay. school. And okay, okay, your was, buddy at school. Was, and then I met another guy, and, yeah. and we just started playing, and then we started I, – I discovered Guitar Magazine, and then – I started learn, learning songs and, and listening to songs and trying to learn them and then playing oh, wow. playing them with these guys and just in my room kind of thing. Yeah. Where did you learn how to like so do you know do you know how now how to read? I'm assuming you do. Yeah, I eventually went to music school. Okay, okay. Uh in early 2000s and that's when I kind of made the decision to really learn. Yeah. Prior to that and in bands I played in prior to that, I it was I was always self-taught. I learned from other people i always yeah. picked people's brains and then i also then realized when i was touring and meeting other musicians that i could always learn more and i and i really wanted mm. to so i took that step and i went to music school well so were you learning for the sake of i want to learn to be a better musician so i can like did you think of it as this is what i'm going to do I thought of it as this is something I want to do. Yeah. I knew that there were many other things that had to happen and other things that I wanted to do, but this was one of them. Yeah. And one of the main things was I wanted to go to California, so the school I went to was in California, and that was one of the things that made me want to and go to this was the music well. school in This California? was the music school I went okay. to yeah. in California. How old were you when you went there? 27. Oh, wow. Okay. All 26 right. or 27. Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. already did my undergrad at. So you did your you did your serious schooling. <laughs> so to say, yeah. <laughs> I I I got a degree in English and drama, and then it, during that time I was playing in a band, and then yeah. after I was done, I was playing in a band, and then I just needed a change, and okay. uh, that came to mind. I had heard of the school, and it just came to mind one day that I that's what I wanted to do. Wow. Were you, so were you in any bands in high school? I was in bands in high school, yeah. yes. We what, was the, what was your first yeah. band? What was the name of your first band? Oh, uh, Bigger Than Jesus, I believe. It was called Bigger Than Jesus. Oasis, was it? <laughs> no, well, no, right? It was, this was, it was that. And we had some, some there were Battle of the Bands kind of yeah, names. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when we did have to name bands, we came up with some ridiculous names that probably wouldn't have been allowed to mm -hmm. be announced. Yeah. And... That's the one we landed on. But there was different incarnations. There was a couple of bands that I played in in high school that didn't have a name. We just played in the calf, and we just played covers. We played Pearl Jam and Nirvana and things like that. Wow. Sex Pistols, I remember playing, and Living Color, things like that. When did you first start singing? Was that a later? That was definitely a later thing. I always 
did uh, backups. I was originally a guitar player, so yeah. all the bands, the majority of the bands I played in, I was the guitar player, and then I lead rhythm. What were you? What was your? I was. I usually played in guitar or ba- bands where I was the only guitar, so I did oh, both. Okay, okay, yeah. I did both. Yeah, and I wanted to expand so i started doing backup vocals okay and that was my thing i was really comfortable in that spot yeah and a long story short uh there was a band i was playing with that took a hiatus at a time when i took a hiatus from work to do band stuff ah okay and so in my mind i've always wanted to put together a, a soul Motown project. It just never amounted to anything. The bands I played in had elements of that, and yeah. I wanted to bring that to bands in my guitar playing. But in that year off, I decided to write a record. So I wrote a record and went to put a band together, and I couldn't find a, a, a lead vocalist. And the more time passed i realized that i had to do it wow i had to do it myself yeah and so i took on that role given the songs that i wrote Mm -hmm. and then we started playing nice and uh, it was definitely a new experience for me and a, a learning experience the more we did it yeah so that's it was it was a it was this project actually that okay that <laughs> put me in the front you're looking around where who's gonna sing <laughs> I, I had hey, some ideas but there you. was no one yeah there was no one who was available and there was no one who could put in the time when i needed it when i needed it so yeah. I, I i knew a guitar player i knew a bass player i knew a drummer that came together easy yeah um easier than a vocalist i should say i had to find those people and just through my network of friends, I, I eventually found those people, but I couldn't find a singer. Interesting. So. I want to get. To, I want to talk a, a, a lot about that, but let's let's sort of let's get you into university now. Sure. Um, so you 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 know you're 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 playing. You're learning how to play in school, and you go off drama and English. Is that what it was? I was. I went to school for for English and drama. Yeah. yeah. Was that was that just? Came. Okay, I guess university is the next step. Mom and dad said I got to go. Yeah, and after high school, it was it, it was university. It and was, English and drama just seems to be the simple thing to do, or it was, or was something was there that actual interest in that. The the drama aspect, yeah, because I liked doing the backstage. I was I wasn't the the front guy. Okay, I was okay. I liked doing sets, the, ah, like set okay. design and costumes yeah. and things okay. like that. I liked being behind the scenes. Yeah, but there was nothing I really wanted to do. I just knew that at the time. Everyone was saying you got to go to university after yeah, high school, it like, and yeah. you, the people who didn't go to university because they wanted to take a year off or they wanted to do something different, that there wasn't a lot of that. So I didn't really get that side of the story because every the majority of the people were going to university. So I thought, like everyone else, I got to go. Yeah. What do I want to do? So first year was general arts, yeah. and then it just focused in on English and drama and it was something that while I was already there I thought this is kind of cool I didn't want to get into all these other things and I was already there so I wanted to get my piece of paper <laughs> sure might as well finish right, right. Um, how soon once you landed you went to Western I did go to Western um, how soon once you landed did you start looking for a group of 
people to play music with. So what happened was I knew a guy from high school who was staying at one of the residences and I went to go visit him and on his floor were were these guys who played music and his actual roommate, the the one the guy he was sharing his room with, played bass. Yeah. And he had a guitar there and whenever I went to go visit my friend, we'd just jam or we'd talk music and he knew a guy from the floor down who played drums. Okay. So eventually that became a band. And that was my first band in London. Okay. And that band was called Zool's Evil Disco. Oh, 
the famous. The famous. Uh, uh, so apparently, <laughs> literally the famous. They're pretty famous in London, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, it was we. Uh, that was a good run. I had a, a great time in that band. Uh, it, but it started in university. It, it started. It started second year university, but I met these guys in first university, yeah. and then it, from there, it just turned into. Uh, they had a, they got a house, you know, after first year university, you hook up with people and, and get, a, get, a, get a place, yeah. get a house. Well, those guys, the yeah. bass player and the drummer, yeah. well, they got a place with a couple of other guys who ended up being vocalists in Zool's Evil Disco as well. So they also knew that I played guitar. So we always kept in contact. And then when they wanted to start a band, I was part of Let's that. And, and that was Zool's Evil Disco. It started with a battle of the bands. It started with, actually, I'll take that back. It yeah. started with a, a, a house party. Mm. at my house where we played songs yeah and then instead of getting a dj hey listen, yeah, let's yeah just play. it was cool and then from there it turned into a uh, battle of the bands which then continued as azul's evil disco when so when when did the I, i'm always curious how it goes from just a bunch of kids just playing because they love to play they're having fun to let's do put together a record, let's cobble up a few bucks and get somebody who has a camera to make a video. Let's give this to much me. Like how does it all get there? Wow. <laughs> it was just a progression. We were, like I said, we, we played this party. We played at a campus bar for this battle of bands and we did pretty well. You do covers, original stuff. We did for the battle of bands. We did originals. Wow. Because that's, it was one. It was it was the new rock explosion. It was called. It was the, it was for campus bands to showcase, and yeah. the winner was gonna play another venue. And and then this was out of my realm. But all I know is then after that, we got offered to play at a bar in London. Yeah. And then that was really cool. And then after that, m more bars. So they start we, calling you. Get these Zool's Evil Disco guys to come in. Well, it was a combination of of people seeing us and and spreading the word, as well as band members contacting these these bars saying, okay. "You can we play at your bar?" And then we'd play other battle of bands, or we'd, we'd play these shows that had ten bands on the on the bill. But we made our mark that way, and we stood out from all the other guys. Really, really interesting. Um, so you win this battle of the band. You guys are playing everywhere. Um, Greg says you guys played El Combo. We did. So the first couple years we stayed in London. And again, it was just a natural progression where I'm pretty sure it was the bass player who said, we're going to play in Toronto. And that was awesome for us. Yeah. So we played the Horseshoe. We played the El Combo. We played the. Did we play the Rivoli? I can't remember. But we played the Macombo and the Horseshoe were were mainstays for us. Yeah. And we'd always play when we'd come to Toronto. We'd play those those venues. Like bands dream to play. <laughs> well, it was one of those things where <laughs> we didn't know anything except, hey, you want to play on a Monday? Sure. So we play on a Monday, and then it's like, okay, now and we 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 would build up to the weekend. Like that's how much we played. We'd played so much. Yeah. And it just got to the point where we started to gain a following and, and we started playing weekends at the Macombo and weekends at the horseshoe. And we learned Jeez. and we learned, or sorry, we, we 
met other bands who mm -hmm. were into us and we were into them and then we started networking yeah so this was before the internet <laughs> we just did it grassroots style meeting people and enjoying each other's music and saying hey we're playing the show we want you to open hey we're playing the show can you open for us yeah and we just swap gigs when you look back were there any people or bands that you played with then that you go wow we played with so-and-so back in the day when they were just getting started just like I mean, us, if we're talking Zool's Evil Disco, we one of my favorite gigs was opening up for 5440. Jeez! <laughs> 5440, <laughs> Frost Week, Western, UC Hill, 5,000 people. You guys played five grand. Yeah, <laughs> opening for 5440. And it was, it was I loved it. Uh, we opened up for uh, Twisted Sister in London. What? Yeah, we opened up. Here's my, my other favorite gig was opening up for Bernie Worrell. From Parliament, okay. He he, he did a, a, a solo. He had his own band, Bernie Worrell. Not, not Parliament Funkadelic. Not yes. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, so Bernie Worrell, that Bernie Worrell. Okay. Yeah. So we opened up for him in London, and it was amazing. Because Strombo, back in the day, um, he still remembers you, remembers you guys, remembers those, right? And he sort of compared that Zulzi yeah. Disco is, is like Canada's. That <laughs> I will not. I mean, I'll take that. I'll yeah. take that as a huge compliment, especially yeah. from Strombo. It's it's was one of those things. We we love those guys. Yeah. Right. We did crazy things. They did crazy things. We dressed up. They dressed up. It was it was that sort of thing. It was that style of music. It was that vibe that we put out. Was was there a conscious effort or conscious decision that guys we can do like we we we're not just having fun here, but yes, we're having fun, but we could actually do something big or we can get big. Did you guys ever that, talk like that? No, 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 it was, we always talked like, man, it would be so cool if this, or, Oh, we got to try to do this and that sort of thing. And it was more so how ridiculous can we get? Mm. That's, that's in a fun way. <laughs> we just wanted to have fun because at one point in time, I think there was 11 or 12 of us on stage. And I, I believe it was the drummer who quoted, was quoted saying, uh, it was like 11 David Lee Roths on stage <laughs> at the same time, all trying to get everyone's attention, Yeah, which made the show. It was great. We, we just did what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it. If no idea was too ridiculous and, and it was us having a good time playing music and making music that we wanted to make. Huh? Talking about ridiculous, Greg. Greg also like so. Greg can't be here, so he texted me all these things no that he wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> but he, one of the things he says, and he can't remember if it was, um, was it his brother that was the drummer? His brother was a vocalist. Vocalist. Um, he got taped to window at Much Music. He did. <laughs> he did. We played a outdoor event, an outdoor event called Word on the Street in the Much Music parking lot. Okay. We were one of the bands playing on stage and right next door like attached to the parking lot was much music and inside was rick campanelli okay uh rick temp. the temp the rick, the temp. rick the temp yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know rick the temp and so we want we had just made a video yeah a, a amazingly awesome cheesy video that we were super proud of and we wanted it to get it on much music and so we had to get his attention. So what we did, 
while he was on air doing his thing, the window scene, the window was always in the background or the yeah. street scene. So we literally, a couple of us held Warren up to the window. Yeah. And then the rest of us duct taped him to the window. Yeah. And to get Rick's attention. And it worked. And he talked to us afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Warren was great for that. Warren was the first to do the most craziest <laughs> thing, no question asked. So that's what I loved about that. Game. That 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 is hilarious. Um, tell me about it's in Greg puts it in quotes the last show in Sudbury. Now is that the last show in Sudbury or that's the last show and it just happened to be in Sudbury? Well, that's a that's a tough question because I remember my last show in Sudbury. And that was uh, New Year's Eve of uh, 2001. So it was, it was New Year's Eve of 2000 going into 2001. That was my last Sudbury show. Okay. Um, soon after, I, I departed and, and moved to California, but the band continued for a while, and I, I believe they played Sudbury again once or twice after I had left. So Okay. I, I don't know exactly. He talks about the last show at the townhouse in Sudbury and waking up the next morning in a basement of a bar. Or yeah, because it, so <laughs> it, it, it was cool because when you played the townhouse in Sudbury, they accommodated the bands because ah. you're, they always had bands coming from afar. So they had a uh, an apartment in the basement that had a bunch of beds. Ah. Now there were, So there townhouse was, was the name of the place. It wasn't the townhouse was the actual, bar. Okay. No, it's called the townhouse. It's called the townhouse. Yeah, that's, their, that's the uh, a premier venue in, in Sudbury. Ah. It's awesome. It's What it's is it about there. Sudbury? They love music. Yeah. They love music. They they love live music, and they support it. Hmm. And uh, a couple of crazy things happen in Sudbury, so maybe that's what he's maybe, referring yeah. to. There was a time when his brother... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, brought a fire extinguisher on stage, and set it off, and we had to evacuate the bar. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the last time we played. That was the last. <laughs> uh, but I do remember that was a crazy separate <laughs> story. But I, I, you'd have to ask. I wish she was here. I yeah, wish she was here to, yeah. to elaborate we'll, on that. We'll, we'll get we'll get some clarity there. Sure. How hard of a decision was it for you to go to California to sort of go back to school? And and leave this this hot band. It was a tough decision. Yeah. But I knew that I knew that it was something that I had to do. I yeah. had to do it. I I just needed to do it. It was something that I always wanted to do. The opportunity was there. The time was was right for me, and I just felt it in my heart that I needed to do that. And I don't like regretting things. Sure. So I'd rather do it. Yeah. And regret than not do it at all. So I did it and I don't regret it. Yeah. Uh, I just I just needed to do it. Was it, it was a time for me. Yeah. Was was it hey guys, I I gotta go. It sounded like there's like like thirty people in the band. Like how at many that people? point in time <laughs> there probably was thirty people. Uh well there was a good staple of, of at least eight people in the band at all times. So it yeah. ranged from eight to twelve, depending who was available and, and what craziness we wanted to uh, portray. Mm. And it was just one of those things where after a, a time, I, I, I told the guys, I said, hey, um, I'm thinking of going to school. I'm 
putting in an application in an audition tape. Yeah. I just I just want to let you know. Yeah. And like no disrespect to anyone, it's just mm. I it's something that I need to do. Mm-hmm. And you weren't feeling burnt out or no, there's... not at all. Yeah, not at all. I wanted to. I, the, the fire burning. the fire was burning strong, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just. I just it wasn't that I wanted to do something different. I just needed to do something for me to to grow as a musician. Mm. And I just needed to do it. Yeah. It was just the right time. How long were you in California for? 2 years. 2 years. And what were you studying again? What was the course? A guitar. I went to Musicians Institute. Okay. I I, I went for guitar. Learning like how to like yeah, yeah formal yeah, teaching just, how to play. Yeah, in every aspect. And the cool thing about that school is it was open 24 hours oh. and the it wasn't just a school for guitar. It was a school for bass. It was a school for drums. It was a school for oh, okay. vocals. It was supposed to be a school for keyboards. It was a school for recording. Okay. So you're Proper in this, big you're in this building yeah, yeah. that's open 24 hours yeah. with tons of practice rooms, tons of studio gear, yeah. tons of equipment mm. that you can play with anyone anytime. And you just hone your skill as a musician. And yeah. you learn as much from other musicians who come from around the world as you do from the teachers who also come from around the world. Yeah. Well, so what I'm, I'm, I can understand sort of being in a space with, with a bunch of musicians and, and learning that way. What's the sort of formal part of that? Well, we had, the I, I had a schedule. I had a okay. class. I, it was, it was like going to school in the yeah. day. Mm. So from nine till three, yeah, it was like going to any other school, except I had single string class i had rhythm guitar class i had theory class i had ear training class i had reading class all those things yeah and then mixed in that we have these things called live playing workshops so they had an auditorium and every day there was a number of different live playing workshops you can be a part of there was a jazz live playing workshop the rock playing live workshop the funk live playing workshop so They'd have a list of songs and you would have to learn them and then you just go with your instrument and so does everyone else. Yeah. So you're playing with a different band every time you go up there. Oh, wow. So not only are you learning these songs, you're playing these songs, but you're also learning how to work with other musicians that you don't know, that you do know in a, in a live setting in wow. front of an audience because everyone else is waiting to play too. So they're your audience. Yeah. And you're in an auditorium and the sound's there and the lighting's there and all that. So wow. it was formal because mm-hmm. we had the classes but then we also had this environment that was a constant learning environment. Yeah. I was going to ask whether you missed the guys, but it sounds like you were playing. You were doing what you loved, so you probably had no I time I did miss the miss guys, yeah? of course. I missed playing. I, yeah. I did join uh, bands when I was in L.A. Mm-hmm. I, I joined a reggae band, and we played The Strip. Like, that was cool for me. <laughs> I had a gig playing uh, with a friend of mine at a restaurant, just playing acoustic covers okay. once a week yeah, uh, and just working on my own skill. So yeah. I, I did miss the guys, but at the same time, it was a new experience and I was broadening my horizons. What happened to them when you came back, when you finished? Were they, were they still playing strong? or uh, When I came back, uh, they, they were playing once in a while. That was actually, when I did come back, they um, were playing a show in Sudbury. I mm-hmm. think it was a reunion show. Oh, okay. I think I think they were kind of done, but they would do these one-offs. Yeah. And I remember actually, because uh, my brother had been in the band as well, and they came 
to pick my brother up to go to Sudbury okay, to play okay. to play a show. Yeah. Um, and I didn't do it because it just didn't make sense schedule wise. And they already had a guitar player, and it wasn't the two guitar player band. And mm-hmm. I I didn't want to yeah, yeah you know I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. And it's like hey you know my they had my blessing and everything. It's just they were kind of doing the one off thing. And for me I had moved. I wasn't in London anymore. I was back in Mississauga and. I was focusing on saving up to go to Australia. I was just working lots. So mm. like when I came back from, from California, I, I worked for six months and then I moved to Australia for a year. Oh, wow. What happened? What were you doing in Australia? I went to teacher's college there. Okay. That's oh. where I went to teacher's college. If yeah. you got to go to teacher's college, do I know Exactly. <laughs> it's the same thing. If I have to go to music school, I'm going to go to California. If I have to go to teacher's college, I'm going to go to Australia. Australia. Why not? Yeah. So did I did you play that music down there as well? I did. Uh, just with a couple of, of friends that I met down there. I didn't do any band thing. Yeah. I didn't have time, really. I yeah. ha- had a job, and then I was also doing the school thing. But I, I had taken my guitar with me, and I, again, was basically working on stuff that I had learned at school because, okay, sure. you know, still building up my chops and yeah. that sort of thing. And nice. there was, I, I took a couple lessons over there, too, and I got into jazz more when I was in okay. Australia. So... It was pretty crazy. And then I came back and st- started forming bands again. Cool, cool. Yeah. I, I want I to skip um, ahead just to sort of put the, um, the Zool's Evil disco chapter uh, to bed. But 2003, you guys get um, inducted into the London Music Hall of Fame. Yeah. That must have been cool. It was cool. I was in Australia at the time. <laughs> Oh, you <laughs> I wasn't there. Oh, okay. I wasn't there. I was, I was, <laughs> you know, honored that they were there and they used the original picture, which w- you know, the original crew was, yeah. was part of. I still hear it to this day. I, I have been to the London music hall of fame. I, I, it's, it was a huge, huge accomplishment for the band. Yeah. And I still hear about it to this day, which I'm super proud of. Yeah. And when I, talk to people or when I when they talk about this band they'll a lot of people especially when it's London based will revert back to sure Hall of Fame Zool's Evil Disco and I'll take that any day of the week because I was super proud of that I put a lot of work into it as did everyone else to 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 have that do you guys ever I, I saw and I didn't realize until like after as I was sort of prepping for this there was a bunch of folks from that band at your Record launch at uh, you and yeah record yeah there launch. was yeah. I'm I'm still cool with yeah, yeah. I, like I said I'm cool with a lot of people that I used to play do you guys with. Are, do you guys still do you guys ever jam together at all ever? Uh, we haven't. Uh, there have been talk. The original drummer who you saw is a huge support supporter of of what yeah. I do. Always has been since Zool Zoo. Is he the tall, massive? He's not uh, bald yeah, now, but apparently yeah. he had hair back then. I can't yeah, remember. yeah, yeah. He's the, he's like a, a a big biker dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. He's a drummer. Yeah, okay, yeah okay, he's okay. a great he's guy. The okay, yeah, yeah, he's the he's the original drummer. Okay, okay. And vocalist, original drummer and vocalist. Ah, okay. And you know, an original songwriter as well of Zool Zoo Disco, and and you know, he has always been a supporter, and he comes to shows, and he's still friends with as am I with Anil. Who is was one of the rappers? Okay, and he was at the show. Okay, and then you know Warren was at the show, yeah, yeah. so that was cool. Neat. Um, they they st- there's they're still supportive. Even even bands that 
used to play with Zulziba Disco, who I'm still friends with, yeah, come to the show. Even nice. the 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 drummer who took over for Dre was yeah. at the show because I still talk to them. Yeah. yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. Two Crown King. Yeah. When did when did when did when did that start and and. <sighs> So I could get up and go in the night I never meant to cause you harm But I hope that I have Cause I find it better knowing you got mad And instead of you getting down I hope that you're getting down I know that you got it in you Go on and get it out Go on and give it a whirl Give it a go, babe I really mean it when I say that it's so great Don't wait, I'm sorry that it's happening so late We'll catch up in a letter later Call it a post, Please babe. believe me You need a little time for me, for you My friends, this is the time I can't pretend. This very rhyme I'll use to mend. I'm on the road again, making music with my homies. And when I'm gone, don't be looking for me. This very song is written for me. I'm on the road to recovery. Out of sight, out of mind is a remedy. We got chemistry, yeah, that can never be denied. So just let it be. When it troubles you, it troubles me. I was a lazy yam with my hot potato, slouching the couch with an old tomato. Your cake and devour it too. So for you, I'll be flying the coop. I still love you. Believe me. You need a little time for me for you. started in 2009 yeah I, I i'm not too sure maybe even 2008 yeah but again i was forming bands i was trying bands out i i, yeah. I was in a couple that didn't kind of leave the practice space mm. we we got to the studio we recorded some songs and it was just a 
I just felt I was so out of it, out of the scene for so long that it was hard to come across musicians. And somehow it dawned on me like there was a guy that I knew from London who would be great to, to front a band. Mm -hmm. And I emailed him and he wrote back. He said, man, great to hear from you. He was a guy who, before I went to California, asked me to be in his band. Okay. Because his guitar player was uh, leaving to do other stuff. Yeah. And I couldn't because I was going to California. Yeah. And then I came back from California and he had heard I came back from California. He said, hey, I'm, I got this band. I want, you to, I want you to play guitar. I said, I'm going to Australia. I can't. <laughs> and it just so happened, it was literally 10 years in the making. I, call, I emailed him and he emailed me back and he said, man, great to hear from you. Like, I'd love to, I, I'd, I'd love to, to do something with you, but I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah. Do you want to be a part of it? And he had sent me some two crown king links yeah. and I, I was sold right away. So it was, I, I started going back to London. I was living in Burlington at the time. Okay. I started, I started going back to London and we're putting together a show. They, they were based out of London. Uh, the two vocalists were in the Fanshawe college music scene. Okay. So they had already had a show lined up. They'd already recorded a demo I added my thing to it. It was a band. Yeah. And right away, it was literally a band. And, and we just started practicing. I was going to London once a week. And then we started playing shows. And then we played this, our first show at Fanshawe. And I believe it was opening up for USS. I could be wrong. But it was it was packed. Forwell Hall was packed. Yeah. And... They had already had a fan base. Their marketing was fantastic. The songs were great. And then we started doing, we just started playing. Again, we started playing London shows. Then we started going outside of Toronto, or sorry, going outside of London to Toronto and yeah. then doing things like that. And it, that was a great five-year run for me, I believe. Nice. I saw a poster that said that you guys played with The Weeknd. We did play like with the, the weekend. Yeah, I'm like really. Like, wh so, what sort of music was he doing back then? He was doing similar stuff. Yeah. Um, this is when he was first getting onto the scene, and he, no one really knew what he looked like, and he was very secretive, and his marketing was very oh, really? cool like that. Yeah, okay. no cameras, and when he did his sound check, he did his sound check backstage, so no one knew what he really looked like, and mm. so there was a, a a big party in London where the promoters it was an outdoor show and the promoters did it in this parking lot and it was huge and it was us and I believe the girls can hear us and Richie Blacks and and the weekend mm -hmm. and we were we were one of the openers and it was a f amazing crowd it was I think it was sold out <laughs> I think it was sold out and it was just it was like a block party okay and it was outdoors and it was I remember it being a cold month because I was wearing a jacket and uh, it was great. And the weekend set was amazing. I didn't really know the weekend like I do now. Yeah. But I could see why he blew up because he was Re fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. His band was great. He was great. Just the vibe was great. Wow. Um, one of my current favorite bands is Arkells. Right. Um, and I, and I, they've been around. You know, they, they, they're one of those bands that okay we're, we're gonna play and we're not gonna stop playing and we're gonna play live and we're gonna play to two people we're gonna play to twenty thousand people we're and it's gonna be the same 
energy in the same show. Um, what were they like back then? And it's not too long ago, right? 2008, 2009. They were the same way. Yeah. Uh, Two Crown opened up for them at, at Western Fair. And they were they were great. We actually oh, we played with them as well at um, uh, the Wave on Western, the, the the campus bar. Okay. We opened up for Arkells, and they were they were super nice. Yeah, uh, they gave us a shout out when we after when when they were playing, and yeah. that was cool. We appreciated that, and they they've always brought it. Yeah. They've always done that sort of thing, and. Every, both times we played with them, they we were fully impressed. Yeah, nice. Um, that you guys do what a couple of records, I think, right? Two Crown. Yeah, we did two records. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did do two records. Yeah, how was that? Like, how so? How was the experience with with those guys? Oh man, the first Two Crown record was one of one of the top studio experiences I have had in my life. Yeah, uh, we worked for, with Ben Kaplan. Uh, that name rings a bell. Yeah, he's done Mother Mother. He works alongside Garth Richardson in Vancouver. He's okay. done a lot of great records. The Gallows. I, man, the list goes on. If you hmm. if you if you get a moment, check out Ben Kaplan. And he's not only not only is he a great producer, he's a great guy. Okay, the guy's hilarious, super cool. He used to play in a funk band in London back in the day, and I remember seeing him. When I was like first year university kind yeah. of thing, so that was cool. And we went to a place called Jukasa, and the studio was amazing. He was amazing. The experience was amazing. Yeah. It was just we. C- I, I'm super proud of that record and that time we put into it. Yeah, and it was above and beyond what I thought would be i in my mind it was going to be awesome and it was more than more that. than awesome yeah so to me it was fantastic and you you started like while you were with them you, you had started doing your own not your own thing but you started doing like doing side bands or side projects different styles uh it wasn't it wasn't until um when we were taking a little bit of a hiatus uh we started i started working on this project and yeah. i needed i needed things like that to keep me busy because I had taken a year off work. Okay. So I, what I, I needed to do was still be creative and it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the right vibe. I was, I was working on two crown stuff too, yeah. but I also was doing stuff in a, in the vein I'm doing now, yeah. which is that soul Motown thing. And it just, it, it wouldn't have been right for two crowns. So I, I just knew that I had it in me and I needed to get it out. Yeah. Because Two Crown was more like it was hip hop rock, hip hop rock, but it had that funk and jazz yeah, yeah, aspect yeah, yeah. to it, which yeah. you know it did have a Motown soul aspect to it too. Yeah, but it it definitely had a hip hop vibe that w- was a big part of it. Yeah. So, um, so what happened? Like, so f- five years just ran out of steam. No, it was uh, it wasn't a run out of steam thing. Uh, life happens, man. Yeah. <laughs> life, it, it's, and you can, I can say this for a lot of things yeah. as can anyone else. And I'm sure, sure you sure. can too. Life happens. Yeah. And we were playing lots and it's, I have always said that being in a band is like being in a relationship, except you're in a relationship with six dudes. 
<laughs> right? Or yeah. however many people. Yeah. In in any case, you're in you're literally in a relationship with those guys. And as any relationship, sometimes people change and mm. other things life happens. And yeah. I don't mean this in a bad way. I don't mean sure, people change no. in a bad way. It's you know, yeah, absolutely. One of the guys wanted to do family things. Yeah. And then when that happened, another guy wanted to do other things. Yeah, and it, and, sure. and it put a little, it put some breaks on the project for a little while. Mm-hmm. And like anything else, and just like any relationship, sometimes you go through ups and downs. And when you're in the downs, you do everything you can to make it up again. Yeah. And what we did is we tried to find a new drummer and a new bass player and we were auditioning things and still playing, trying to play shows and not having to play shows because we didn't have a band. And then we found what we needed mm-hmm. to continue. And, that's what we did and then because we had all these songs yeah and we wanted to go back in the studio but without a band we couldn't do that so then when we took that time to find the band that we needed yeah we then went in the studio and then we kind of restarted the engine Mm. right like we hit the reset button and went back at it again and by that time i was already doing this project so it was kind of being pulled two ways and two I was ways. trying to do both and, and I was doing both for yeah. a good s- six months uh, almost a year I think I was yeah. doing both and it was cool Yeah, but it was also scheduling with, with everyone and because life yeah scheduling gets choose, harder yeah. and harder so. yeah, yeah and I, I totally get that I remember I don't know if it was a year or so ago um, I don't know if you remember the band Hey Rosetta yeah I think out of the east coast maybe. yeah oh, I remember that um, and man I, I, re- I saw them once live loved their music um, and then all of a sudden I hear, you know, they're, they're called, I don't know if calling it quits or fold, you know, right. it's, it's because life, you know, things, other people just said, you know, I want to do something else. I want to do this, that, and the other. And it says, okay, I guess, you know, some people are going to continue doing music. Other right. people are going to continue music in a different way or, yeah. or, or just do other things to me. Yeah. That's a moment in time. Yeah. And nothing can be taken away from that. Yeah. And no one can take that away from any of us that were part of that no. in that time. The music still lives. That's an amazing thing about yeah, music, eh? It does. And that's what I that's what I love because I can put that record on and yeah. it takes me back yeah. to that time. Just like music does in general. Like I can put a record on and think of grade six, right? Yeah. Oh absolutely. It's a little it, it's a little cooler for me when it comes to bands I played in because then it takes me back to that time. Yeah. Because yeah. those are all great times. There was never absolutely a, a, a bad time. No. I mean Sure, there's good and bad times, yeah. but there was these. They were all great experiences. Yeah, collectively was amazing. Collectively right? was awesome, and I'm it, yeah. super proud of yeah. that band. And I still hear about that band today. And I, if anyone talks to me about it or says, "Oh, do you still have that? I never got that other record." I'm like, "I got it for you. I got it for you." I do because you know what? I would rather someone enjoy it and yeah. listen to it because sure. we put our heart and soul into Absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah. So. Mu- mu- like uh, music is music. Doesn't matter how old it is. Yeah. Brand new, old, you know, it's it's as good as it was back then. It's just as good. It is for me, for you know, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abs- sure. Absolutely. So you and Jefferson. Yes. Um, actually, no, no, no. I need to talk about this. Yeah. Um, the Garbage Pail Kids collectible cards. Oh. I, I saw a picture of that <laughs> online. I go, that yeah. was so cool. So Tell me about that. I collect things. And uh, <laughs> one of the things I collected as a kid yeah. were Garbage Pail Kids. And I just thought it would be a cool 
idea to find garbage pail kids that have the same names as the guys in the band. Okay. And so, I mean, I found everyone (laughs) except me because there's no uh, no Ajay because, you know, as a kid, I never got the placemat or, you know, the (laughs) pencil with my name on it. But there was Jay. Yeah. Jay Decay. Ah. And uh, because uh, Sean, the vocalist, was an amazing graphic designer, he made it. Nice. Aj Decay, right? <laughs> and I just thought it was a cool idea. It was it was something funny and something cool. I just and I just like I like stuff like that. And uh, I, I brought it to the guys. I'm like, oh, check this out. We got we got to <laughs> put this up there. So it was just one of those neat, things. Neat, yeah. Um, so your current band, you call it your project. I do. Um, UN Jefferson.
So let, let me ask, do you see it as a project? Like, No, I see it as a band. Okay. I, I, it is a band. Yeah. You and Jefferson is a band. Yeah. But... Because when you say project, it sounds, you know, like school. You do a project and you finish the project. You start it, you do it, you finish this it. This is a lifelong project for me. Okay. If, <laughs> if, if I'm going to use the word project, this yeah. is a lifelong project yeah, for me. Yeah. It's, it, everything I've ever done has gotten me to this point. Okay. And it is a band mm-hmm. and it is a project at the same time. Yeah. Um, so before, like, you, you, there was a name change. There was a name change. Um, so Marcellus Wallace, you must have been like a big Pulp Fiction fan. You loved that movie. I didn't love it. You liked it was, the character. It, I, it was. It was when I was putting together a Motown soul band. I needed a name that would reflect that. A name that sounded cool. Okay. And thinking of names, thinking of names. A friend of mine suggested Marcellus Wallace, and right yeah. away it, it resonated with me. And I thought, okay, that's that's great. Yeah. That's great. And then the it just led to some good marketing and fonts and logos and things like that. And it was Marcellus Wallace for a while. And and then. Over time, I realized there was a lot of other people using that name. Oh, okay. So there was a DJ in England, DJ Marcellus Wallace. Uh-huh. There was uh, a punk band from somewhere in the States called Marcellus Wallace. There was a funk band in, I believe was Brazil or Spain or something like that okay. called Marcellus Wallace. And then I thought, you know, I, I'm going to change it. I, I, I was going through some changes. I felt that things needed to be uh how do i say this things just needed to level up okay so i added a horn section i i added more backup singers i just wanted to make it bigger like a fuller sound fuller sound big i I just wanted i had the sound in my head yeah that i needed to get out i i Mm. needed what I heard coming out of the speakers to be the same thing that was was happening in my head. Mm. And in order to do that, I needed to move back to Toronto. And, and I, I started working with Justin Abaddon, uh, who was the guitar player from Jack Soul. Okay. So he produced the record. He plays guitar in the band. He helped me hear mm. what was happening in my head. He helped okay. me. He helped what I was hearing in my head come to fruition. Come to, okay. So... It was just the right time to change the name. Yeah. And again, I had to go through that process of finding a name. And and as a kid, I was a fan of Bernie Casey. And that name of his character, again, resonated with me. It just what it just it just sounded awesome. Yeah. And I felt it fit what the band represents and what it what it sounds like. Interesting. Okay, good. That closes that. <laughs> I was because I was I was I thought okay, is he is he into like pop culture movie? I mean, <laughs> I am. I'm you know garbage pail kids. Yeah, and, uh, but it was for me. It's the feeling and it's the sound. Okay. And when you say that name, whether it be Marcellus Wallace or you and Jefferson, yeah, and you know what the band's about, then you get it. Ah, uh, okay. You know what I mean? It represents interesting what we're doing. Interesting. Hmm. And, it, and, it's, and it has a connection to me, so yeah. it was one of those things. Because I thought, okay, there's something, because when Greg first told me, yeah, he was in this band called Zulu's Evil, Zulu's Evil Disco, hmm. I was like, I don't, I <laughs> Yeah, don't. exactly. It's funny that you mentioned that, because, yeah, you're right. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, I watched a lot of movies when I was a kid, but, so I'm not going <laughs> to deny it. And there's nothing wrong, you know, all, all these movies that they're coming from yeah. are, are on my top list of movies to see. <laughs> now, did you grow up with... with Back then, WWF. WWF. I did. Yeah, I did. I was a huge WWF huge fan. fan. 
So how was so tell me about you was it, you weren't supposed to have the Iron Sheik open for you? Oh, the Iron Sheik. Oh, yeah. this story. This is great. No, we were we were rolling into Hamilton and we were playing a show at Absinthe and All right. we were literally on the road going to the show and I get a call saying the show's been pushed back because the roast of the Iron Sheik is happening before you. Yeah. It got moved to your their their venue fell through so they're going to they're going to do that so you're going to be playing with the Iron Sheik. And I and then when I told the guys they're like <laughs> like that band, the band the Iron Sheik, I said no. <laughs> The Iron Sheik, the, Iron, the Sheik. Iron Sheik. So I literally got off the phone. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, are we, you know, on the phone, I was told we were opening for the Iron Sheik. Okay. It's like, okay, cool. So we're playing and then they're going to do the roast, whatever. Yeah. What ended up happening because the timing is the roast had to happen first and then we played afterwards. Yeah. So either way, yeah. I got to meet the Iron Sheik. I called my brother right away in the van and I said, oh man, we're, we're, we're opening for the Iron Sheik. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, the Iron Sheik, man. Because he was a big wrestling fan too. Yeah. So it was cool. We got to see this roast and Gilbert Godfrey was, was there, you know, roasting and, yeah. and doing these things. And it was, it was surreal. And when it was all said and done, he's there signing stuff and he's got the belt there and he's got his photos and he's taking pictures. And I got all up on that. I was, you know, took Absolutely. a picture. Right. It was, it was one of those things. So <laughs> it was, it was a great experience. It took, again, one of those things that takes you back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell me about you and Jeff. I mean, if for, for someone who's, who's watching this, this progression, right? right. You, you go from. <laughs> Is you, anyone really watching this progression? So that's why I said if, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. if, <laughs> if someone were yeah. to, if someone were to sit back, cause I want the, the history of music for out of London, you know, um, you know, uh, Zulzival Disco. Um, I, I don't know how you would, wh what kind of music would you, would you call that? We called it a funk band. Yeah. We called it a funk band. I guess band. you could. Yeah. But there was, it was definitely rock influence. Yeah. So, uh, funk rock band. Yeah. And you guys were young, you were kids, you were like, whatever, we're going to do whatever we want. A, a tighter band. Would that be fair? For, um, like for I, Two I, Crown? Yeah. It was a it's, different it's style. It was a more mature band. Yeah. Okay. And I don't mean that in, in no, a bad way. Just no, no, it was no. a more mature band. Yeah, lyrically, yeah, definitely yeah. lyrically and yeah. musically, it was a, a mature band yeah. because uh, we were we were more mature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? Right. Um, and, and then now you and Jefferson where it's like, okay, these guys, these guys are, and to not put anything bad against anyone else, but you, these guys are musicians. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, these guys are serious. They're... I think I think it's a more mature band. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's because but, but, it's, but again, it's it's a Motown classic, classic music sort of thing. You know, back in the day where you, you, you music is is simple, um, but it's great. I agree with you. You know, um, that so this this sort of so if you were to call it a progression of sorts, right? Um, how would you define that for yourself? How would I define that? Yeah, I I would just again say that it was it's just a maturing curve for me from coming from a band or you know being a, a kid as a musician who just wanted to not have a care in the world and just do whatever and play whatever and throw effects on stuff and jump around to 
honing that throughout the bands that I've played in to focus it more on something that has more focus and has uh, more of a definition. Hmm. Interesting. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if it also brings you full circle back to your parents' basement. Some it always music, will. The music Everything. that your parents were listening on their records. Uh, hands down, yeah. I will say, the moments in that basement definitely defined who I was and who I am as a musician. And it has an effect on everything I do and mm-hmm. everything I have done. Yeah. From the wah guitar that I love so much to the simple soul music mm-hmm. that I try to produce now. It's all, it's come from that. Yeah. I've always, I've always had those elements of that basement come out in the music that I've played in. Yeah. Or the, sorry, the bands that I've played in the music I've made. Now this is the first time that you've fronted a band. Like a major, you may have done it back, yeah, you know. No, the, I I will agree with you. It's the first time um, I've been to the band. So one of the things that so Greg's Greg's friend Warren, not his brother, but his friend Warren. So the three of us came to the supermarket mm. to see the show, and you know, so Greg knew your background. He knew some of, uh, a lot of your history, um, and Warren and I go. He, the presence that you had, you know, to go on and you got everybody to crouch, you know, <laughs> and I'm going this wait, this is his first record. Wait. No, this is, they're just launching now, <laughs> and he's got the uh, audacity is not the word, but he's you know he's 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 got that confidence, you know that presence, that stage presence, where yeah, this is our first record, but I, I this is my stage, this is my for the next hour, this this is mine. How did you develop <laughs> that? Wow, that's that's a great way to put it, man. Thanks. Um, I it just happened. I know it sounds really ridiculous to say, but it just happened. I, I don't, something happens when I go on stage Yeah. and I, I just do, I, I, I think about things. Mm-hmm. I think about ideas. I think about situations, but every band I've ever played in, I, I've just, I, I love being up there and it just, I, I just let go when mm-hmm. I'm up there with a, whether, whether there's a guitar on me or, or not. And, I've always been like that and I've always jumped around. I've always let go of the energy I had in me through the music that I made or what I was playing. And more so now it's with a microphone instead of a guitar. Yeah. It used to be a guitar. Yeah. And although I play some guitar in this band, the the main instrument for me is the microphone. Mm-hmm. And I I don't see it as me being alone up there because without an instrument, at first I felt alone. Yeah. And it was hard for me. But then I realized that that microphone. Where do I put my hands? Yeah. Right. I've always had something. I always had something. It was a crutch. I always had a crutch. Yeah. But not to say that the microphone's a crutch, but it's there. Yeah. It's, it's, It's there for me to use, and that's my instrument. And it's just something that I've always done, I've just let it out more the older mm-hmm. I've got. The old style mic. Yes. How, how did that come about? I just love the look of that thing. Yeah. I, it's, <laughs> I, I get a lot of heat, of, heat 
about it from from really? people at times, sound guys or just the way that I hold yeah, it. Yeah, is sometimes. there a way that you need to hold it and, and there sing is, into it? There yeah. is. And again, there's a lot of factors involved, but ever since I was a kid, man, th- those mics, and not necessarily that specific mic, but just old school mics just yeah. are amazing to me. Yeah. And that was something that was usable on stage in this day. Right, I could mm. definitely get an old mic, but I would—they're just not built for yeah, yeah. what's happening yeah, yeah. in bars and clubs and for venues sure. today. I just love the look of it, and nice. e- without even having to sing into it, I just—it just looks great. Yeah. Back in the '90s, when you're at Western, I don't know—was the internet out? Maybe it was. It started, man. It That's started. when I got. In, I think it was '96, uh, '97 is when I started. Yeah. Getting into the internet. So, yeah, it started, but, you know, there was, and I don't know, maybe there was mice. I can't remember mm. what was out. What has changed? You know, there's one thing to go and, and plaster Warren on, mm. on a window to get yeah. Rick the Temp's attention. Right. Um, now it's like, okay, let me build a Facebook page or whatever. Yeah, it's um, a lot of that. So the simplicity of that, but it's like the effect. Like, I remember when that came about, it's like, man, you just get on Facebook and you're you've made it. And now it's like, shit, man, there's so much noise. There's so much clutter. And the way, to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's like there's there's certain types of music that will pop because of algorithms, um, because of what, um, you know, whether it's music station managers or the people that run, you know, the, 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 the certain... Um, channels on spotify that you know for for whatever reason right it's all about the clicks now um how are things harder today to break through than they were back in the day i feel it's a lot harder to make noise today Mm. because there is or to cut through the noise well yes to cut through the noise what i mean is for me to make noise like to 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 make a buzz. Yeah. It's a lot harder because I do have to cut through the noise because there's so much Fair noise enough. from everyone else. That's yeah, yeah, what yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. And it is a lot harder because there is so much available that there's so much more noise now mm. to cut through. Yeah. Back in the day, there was less noise to cut through. Now, it depends on how you look at it. Back in the day, we didn't have the internet. Yeah. And I actually had this conversation with Dre. Imagine if Zulzi Disco had the internet back then. Yeah. Things would have been different. Yeah. Which is true. Yeah. And vice versa. Different. So, yeah. Because we would have reached more people. We could have done more things. Yeah. Well, then here we are years later where I, we can reach more people and can do more things, but then so can so, so many can other it, people. So can everybody else. Right. And then your sound is also different. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's from outer space. Yeah. You know no, what no, I mean? No, no, no. It's, it's, like, it's so, different. So when I take a look at it, it was going, and, and Warren, Warren, and I don't know. Warren and I had this conversation at the supermarket, you know, saying that the energy that the band had, um, and how tight together they were um, in this world, and this was just from us. Maybe, maybe we're just seeing it from one perspective, and we're saying, you know, what radio station is going to play this, um, and where on Spotify could somebody stumble upon this when? Today, today's rock and roll yeah. is hip hop and rap. Yeah. Right? 
uh, today's top 40 um, is all done through through the computer. Yeah. Right? It's it's not done through getting a half a dozen musicians into a room, even if it's just one at a time. Oh, I know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm just curious, like, how do you, you know, how, what, do you, what do you do? Or, or maybe... It's the music that's important, and and, and not anything else. To me, to me, the music is important, but I've also learned that music is twenty percent of the, of the game, hmm. right? Because eighty percent is everything else. Yeah. And to me, back in the day, eighty percent was the record. Eighty percent was the music. Now you have to have music, yeah, and it has to be good music. And I believe in what I do, and I feel I feel that what I'm doing is where I want to be and and I I stand behind it. Yeah. But there has to be the marketing, the team, the connections, all these things. And on top of all that, I will I will never stray from the old school thought of getting out there, playing and showing people what you got. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to do on top of the marketing and building the team and that sort of thing. The only thing that I can do is put it in front of people, whether it be radio people, Spotify people, people who buy records. My job is to put it in front of them. And if they are into it, great. But I also know that I can't always please everybody. And I know I'm not going to always please everybody. Absolutely. But the people I do please... I want them to be pleased to the fullest. Yeah. So it does require a record. It does require all of these things. And it requires doing everything that I can to break through the noise by having videos and product and uh, photos and social media that hopefully – Stands out or yeah. gets people's attention. For sure. So when are you going to be on The Simpsons? <laughs> I don't know, but I got a really cool present yeah. from a friend of mine <laughs> who uh, who literally got someone who may or may not have worked on The Simpsons to make me a Simpsons character. That is so cool. Well, I, I was, <laughs> I was taken aback. I couldn't. The detail was was insane. It was like that's that's him. That's me. And <laughs> it, it had it had the the piercing. It yeah. had the soul patch. It had my watch. It had everything. It had the sideburns. It yeah, had the everything. Hair, yeah. yeah, I I was ecstatic <laughs> about the whole situation. From uh, the garbage pail kids to the Simpsons. There you go. Always, Anything. Always, I'm all I'm all about that pop culture stuff. <laughs> so what's um what's next? What's your wh- where's your next gig? What's your next gig? What what's on what's on the calendar? Right now, what's on the calendar is uh February 15th at the Horseshoe. Is that Valentine's Day? It's the day after Valentine's Day. The day after day. Valentine's Day. All right. So after you spend time with your <laughs> significant other, you can then go out and let loose. And let, with your, uh, you can do that with your significant other. Right. But, you know, on, on the 14th, you, you kind of do your significant yeah. other stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. And then on Friday, it's like, okay, now it's the weekend and we can do our other significant other stuff, right? Meaning the other things that we do. I don't mean another significant other. But, um, so that's the, next, that's the next thing. We're 
in the process of working on other shows uh, nice. that will be posted on the website. I only I, when they're finalized. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of back and forth. Sure. Um, sure. And uh, new videos in the works. Which uh, so the first song testify. Yes. So why was that the lead song? Why did you guys decide to land on that? Because uh, because it hits you in the face like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And if I was going to introduce the record. That's the track I wanted yeah. to introduce everyone to the record. Yeah. Right. So what's the what's the next song you're making a video for? The can next. We say? I don't know. Can I say? I'll say it. All right. Uh, the next single is uh, the next video is going to be Shine on Me. Okay, I like that. One. I I love that one. Yeah. Um. So we're in in the works of doing that right now as well. Um, yeah, your web, obviously website. What's the website? Let's plug that. Uh, www.unjefferson.com. <laughs> awesome. And you can find everything you need on all there. The all the music, all anything that has to do with UN Jefferson, it's unjefferson.com. Awesome. Uh, Jay, man, thanks so much for this. Thanks for having me, man.